Welcome back to the Aging Life Podcast, everyone. Today, I have a special guest with me, Dr. Gordon. It's a pleasure to have you on with us today. Thank you. I am very passionate about this topic. I would love to catch up with you about it. That's great. Let's not waste time and get into it. Today, we are revisiting a study Dr. Gordon and I worked on in the past. The study examines Canadian individual and geographic factors associated with social isolation and loneliness on aging. So basically, for our research question, we want to know how personal and geographic factors impact social isolation and loneliness in the aging population. So let's get right into it. We chose this topic since previous research in social isolation and loneliness have shown that they have detrimental health consequences, such as increased risk of coronary heart disease, stroke, dementia, and mortality. To make it more clear to our audience, I think it's important that we first define social isolation and loneliness to showcase how they are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Social isolation is defined in terms of the objective availability of social contacts or frequency of contact with its social network members. So this means, is the individual alone or are they part of a social network? On the other hand, loneliness is the perceived discrepancy between the quantity of social relationships versus the quantity that they actually want to have. So what you're saying is that a person can be socially isolated but not lonely and vice versa? Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. That's very interesting. So the way we carried out this study included a cross-sectional analysis of baseline data from the Canadian Longitudinal Study of Aging, also known as the CLSA. There are two cohorts in the CLSA, the Comprehensive Cohort, in which the participants resided in sites across Canada and were interviewed in their own homes with computer-assisted interview instruments. Additionally, participants came to the data collection site for additional computer-assisted interviews and comprehensive assessments, for example, physical measures and biological samples. The second cohort is the tracking cohort, in which the selected sample completed computer-assisted telephone interviews. And our final sample included 48,330 participants, ages 45 to 85 years old. So Dr. Gordon, would you like to explain how we measured social isolation among the participants? Yeah, no problem. So we used five sets of questions. They were marital status, living arrangements, when the participant last got together with each of their social networks living outside of their household, retirement status, and social participation in eight activities in the past 12 months. That's great. Would you also love to explain how we measured loneliness? Okay. Well, since there is no loneliness scale in the CLSA baseline questionnaire, we used a single item loneliness question asking, how often do you feel lonely? Thank you for that, Professor. The personal factors that we measured were age, sex, education, and household income, functional status, and chronic condition. Dr. Tovberg, I think you're forgetting about the geographic factors. We used a rural-slash-urban variable available in the CLSA data, which is based on Statistics Canada's definitions of those terms and postal codes. Okay, enough of these logistics. Let's get into some interesting results. Okay, yes, I agree. But before we get into those results, I have a very exciting advertisement to all those devoted listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by Delta's Bingo and Gaming. Come out and play a game of bingo anytime from 12 p.m. to 2 a.m. seven days a week at 1799 St. Clair West. So here are some statistics for you. 
the prevalence of social isolation and loneliness was 5.1% and 10.2%. However, there is a significant amount of variation associated with these characteristics. For example, you are more likely to be socially isolated if you are an older male with a low income, a functional impairment, and more chronic conditions. For loneliness, on the other hand, your odds of being lonely increase if you are a younger male living alone with a lower education level and income, as well as having a functional impairment and chronic condition. Was marital status an implication for loneliness? Yes, marital status was a major factor that related to loneliness. This was particularly the case for widowed men. Their odds of being lonely were found to be more than four times higher than their married or common law counterparts. Four times. That is something to really think about and consider. Yes, I agree. Okay, so let's expand on this. We also found that men were more likely to be socially isolated than women, and this can be due to men having a smaller social network and they don't have any other networks that can compensate for their partners. Let's give a little compassion out there for our men. Social isolation did not differ across age groups for men. However, in terms of loneliness, younger men were more likely to be lonely than older men. And what's even more interesting is that for women, younger women were less likely to be socially isolated than older women, but more likely to be lonely. So basically what you're saying, Dr. Gordon, is that younger women are more lonely than older women and men? Yes, and I really want to clarify that when we say young women and men, we are talking about 45 to 54 years old. So individuals within this age group are more likely to be lonely than individuals between the ages of 75 and 85. Remember, loneliness is the gap between the social networks that you want versus and what you actually have. Therefore, the younger participants are experiencing a larger gap. So why is this the case, you ask? Let's answer this. There is a possibility that older adults may adopt to a shrinking social network by adjusting their expectations of how frequent contact with social networks should be. Another possibility is the socio-emotional selectivity theory which states that older adults may intentionally shrink their social network members in order to focus on meaningful relationships. Yeah, it's very interesting. So let's look into the geographic factors. Our research has found that living in the urban center was associated with an increased likelihood of social isolation. What do you think is the reason for this? It may be that social isolation is greater in the city because it is more likely for cities to have social economically deprived neighborhoods Ah, that's a good point. And geographic variables were not associated with loneliness, indicating that loneliness is dependent on personal factors. This just continues to enforce that loneliness is conceptually different from social isolation. Yes, for sure. So now that we have all the information, what do you think about it all? Well, to start off, I think that our findings will help researchers and policymakers to identify individuals at risk of social isolation and loneliness. The study did a good job at considering various possible factors associated with loneliness and social isolation. This allows there to be a vast analysis of the topic that permits us to think about these outcomes on a larger scale. I also think that it's great that we had a large sample and with a wide age range, this variability allowed for us to make more comparisons. That sounds great. However, this also leads me to think of a significant limitation for the study. Although this study does look at multiple factors, because the data is cross-sectional, 
Personal and geographic factors cannot be inferred as the sole predictor of social isolation and loneliness. It is equally fair that social isolation and loneliness are risk factors for developing health problems. For example, Dr. Gordon, can you think of any other limitations in the study? Yeah, for sure. Um, the CLSA does not assess the quality of relationships. This means that it's possible that a small social network can have sufficient emotional support, whereas a large social network may lack support. Also, individuals with certain characteristics may self-select certain geographic areas, and the most socially isolated and lonely individuals may not have participated in this research, which would exclude them from our data. I totally agree with you. I also think that future studies should analyze the role of low-income neighborhoods in social isolation and loneliness. Yeah, and we can also shine some light on the relationship between social isolation and loneliness and physical and mental health problems. One last question for you, Dr. Gordon, before we end off. With a new pandemic on the rise in the country, do you believe it causes implications on the aging community? Yes, this study is more relevant than ever because of the pandemic. The findings suggest that in order to reduce social isolation, support and resources can be targeted at certain areas. For example, city neighborhoods with a high proportion of older adults who live in, on low income. We know who is more likely to be socially isolated. Therefore, this is a great opportunity to reach out to the older people in our lives and lend a hand. This is a great message to end our chat. I want to thank you, Dr. Gordon, for joining us today. And I want to thank our audience. And remember, you're not getting older. You're just becoming a classic. <laughs> thank you for having me. Bye.